0: All right, well, uh, tonight we are continuing our trek through Acts. And we're in Acts chapter 16, of uh, we're going to be looking at verses 16 to 34. <clears throat> this is Act 5, scene 3. And I'd like to do like they do in place. They will set sometimes well particularly in the script they will set out the characters and and we're not we're just going to set out the names of the characters we'll talk more about them later um, as far as who they are and more of their traits and the like as we go through but this is the book of acts and it was written by luke who's the same guy that wrote the book of luke and he is there, he's, he's, he's like the scribe, he, he is basically the scribe for, the, for Paul and his evangelistic, his evangelistic team. Um, and he's writing down the things that are happening here. And there are three ministers here, Three. there's Luke, there's Silas, who was, a, uh, who was and we've heard about him all, you know, as we study the Bible, as we study the New Testament, particularly Acts where Silas is, uh, travels with Paul. He's one of tra- Paul's travel companions. And then there's Paul. Last week we, uh, we met Paul at in, in an encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus as he heard, heard the call of Jesus to, to stop, st- stop killing my people, stop persecuting me, Jesus said. He asks him, "Why are you persecuting me?" And Saul asks, "Well, wh- who are you, Lord?" And this changes Paul's life, meeting Jesus there on that road to Damascus. Well, in the scripture we're, we're uh, going, we're going into tonight, we see Saul begins to use his Greek. Saul is, is the Hebrew. We covered this last week. It's the Hebrew uh, form of the name. There's Saul and then Paul is the Greek form of the name. and He starts to, is the Roman, the uh, form of his name. And uh, in this, in the scripture we're going into tonight, he's on his second missionary journey. And he is in a city called Philippi or Philippi or how however you want to say it. I always say it Philippi. It's a very important Roman city. It was it's uh in Europe and it was set up as what they call Little Rome. Uh it's it's a very very much a Roman province. They they work under the same laws and the same rules and the same the, the culture is very similar to Rome. It's all uh, very much a, a Roman uh, province, as I said. Um, and we can see that there are, th- there are three guys there. There's Luke and Silas and Paul. Um, and we, we understand that because Luke says, it's talking about us and we, and so, so that puts him in with the, with, with the delegation here. Right before this, they had encountered some some women in their ministry, uh, particularly Lydia, and she accepts the good news of Jesus Christ, and her she and her household are baptized, and she becomes a host for the church for the church um, there in in the area there in there in Philippi. Um, well, I'm sorry, I say she does. It's, it's assumed that she does because it, it, you know, the way thing, the, the rest of the, the, uh, this section of Acts uh, talks about her and, and her involvement in the church. They are continuing their ministry in Philippi when they come across another that is needing freedom in Jesus let's dig into that right now we're going to look at uh, 16 through 24 there one day as we were going to the place of prayer we met a female slave who had a spirit of divination and, and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune telling while she followed Paul and us she would cry out these men are slaves of the most high God who proclaimed to you the way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. But Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men, these Jews, are disturbing our city and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us, being Romans, to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. This is one of my—I'm not—I've I've not ever really understood this section t- uh, because of some of the ha- some of the things that happen here. Um, first of all. We have a slave, and then we're, we're continuing our discovery of these new characters in this, in this play. It's not really a play, it's, it was real life. The first one we come upon, outside of the three guys we already talked about, was a slave girl. What was this slave girl saying about Paul and his companions? Slaves of the Most High God proclaim to you the way of salvation. Right. They're saying, speaking, actually speaking the truth, because that's who they are. They are slaves of the Most High God who are, who are proclaiming to you the, the way of salvation. She's speaking the truth. So why do you think Paul is annoyed by this woman coming along saying this which is the truth. Why Why do you think it annoys him?
1: Well, he knows she's possessed with uh, some kind
0: of spirit, yeah.
1: Demon spirit that's just annoying.
2: That guy on his nerves. Right. Crazy. I think mean, part of it, too, is that she probably would have been talking about it, especially in a kind of a derogatory way. Right. Um, she, would, she was equating them with slaves mm. and basically saying that whatever they're telling you, you can't be trusted because they're slaves. They proclaim to be slaves of the most high God, proclaiming salvation. So she's in a way, you know, if you look at the time period, really kind of discrediting what they're saying by equating them with slaves who didn't have a lot of power
0: mm-hmm. or control. Right, even though it's true. It's mm-hmm. true. So, so that would annoy Paul in that there's a there she is apparently discrediting what they're saying by telling the truth the way she was telling it. Slaves of the Most High God, proclaiming the way of salvation. Now, we can dig a little deeper into their culture. Because this, the way she was saying it, they are slaves of the Most High God to proclaim to you the way of salvation. Well, their leader, their, their Caesar, their king, was considered the son of the Most High. He was basically, took on the title of him, the, the title that Jesus actually has on himself. So to, to say that you're slave of the Most High God and that you proclaim a way of salvation other than the Caesar, the king, it is considered illegal. It is considered a a potential threat to this order. This we talk about the Pax Romana, which is the peace of Rome, the Roman peace. It's a threat to that. So so there was that there's the the part that he was discred she was discred- potentially discrediting him, but there's also the part that Paul knew that if she said these things out loud like this, that it was going to shorten their ability to preach the gospel, potentially. Because then something else, you know, then it would disturb things and they wouldn't be able to. Continue doing what they were doing. So how does he, how does Paul respond to her? He we know he's annoyed. So how does he respond?
2: <clears throat>
0: right. Right. Paul responded by saying, "Come out." and we saw that it came out now there's another issue there with this this is very different this was done very differently than what other what other other um, passages in the in the uh, New Testament had when, when when you had it a spirit being cast out um, it was by different it was it was not for people it wasn't because somebody was annoyed it was because it's something that had to be done and it was into the amazement of the people around none of that was happening here there wasn't the amazement of the crowd there wasn't the 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 uh it wasn't coming at them cursing at them it wasn't it's not mentioned as being an evil spirit here even not saying it wasn't it's just it that, that that wasn't part of it. it wasn't a demonic spirit. It, it wasn't said here that it was. Actually, the spirit that this was, was, and I'm going to try to get this Greek right. Um, let me go back up to the Greek. Oh, I scrolled down too far. Um, the Greek here is pneumopathonos, which basically... Means the spirit of the python. The spirit of a python is referring to the python who guarded the oracle at Delphi, and was slain by Apollo. This is the this is the Roman mythology uh, here. So there wasn't really a mention of. Uh, mention of it being an evil spirit just that it was a spirit the spirit of a python but so, so there wasn't the pressure other than the annoyance to get rid of this spirit however <laughs> we all we hear about this girl is that she was possessed by the spirit she annoyed Paul, well, or the spirit through her annoyed Paul, and then Paul cast cast that, that spirit out.
2: Don't you think something they had to do with it? It was the fact that he continu- she continued doing it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't if she stopped, she just stopped the first time and
0: nothing might, might have been done. <clears throat> but of course, right. the Lord wanted something to be done. Right, and he. Was it continuous? Right, it was continuous. I mean, if you think about, it, even if somebody keeps coming at you like that, it's coming at you, telling you the truth. Truth is coming at you, and coming at you about it. It can get annoying, can't it? It's like five-year-old banging on
1: pots
0: Yeah, right, right. So, 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 so and <laughs> right. Um, so, if we look at Paul, he he is. This is his second missionary journey. He hadn't been a Christian long. Of course, he was—he was, he was a, a, a brilliant scholar in the in in his own right with uh, in the Jewish um, Jewish religion. But he's a new Christian, a young Christian. So, <clears throat> so we can—I think that can we can offer him some grace because of that. I believe. But the reason he had, the reason that was given here that he casted him out was because of his own annoyance. Not because he wanted to set her free. It doesn't say anything about him wanting to set her free. Now, she needed to be set free, but it was because of his annoyance. Um, And so, we don't really hear anything about her. Except for her own, what her owners did next. Um, let's put ourselves in the girl's shoes. What was life like for a slave in that time? Life would have been—you wouldn't have any any free any freedom, any free choices. You weren't able to. To do anything except what basically what your owners told you to do, and she she was in this situation where this 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 spirit in her was the way these men made the these owners made the money something the money off of it. because this spirit being a spirit. Related to Apollo, Apollo was a was a truthful god in the Roman in the Roman mythology. So it was a a spirit of of truth, in a way. We we don't know any more having more identification of that except for the name of the spirit given in here. So this was a spirit that would speak truth to people, uh, truth that the person that the, the woman would, would not have known other than through the Spirit. So, so it was a, a very lucrative situation for these owners. And so now here she is. Her only, the only way that she can make money for her owners then <coughs> is gone. So what are those owners going to do with her now? What, what do you imagine would happen with this girl?
1: She probably started there, but maybe she had to find some other way to survive, unless <laughs> she just became a regular slave, swept floors, <laughs> whatever they told her to do, instead of fortune telling
0: Right. Well, there were several ways that owners could, the owners could. There were several things they could do to her. They could prostitute her. That would make money for them. They could kill her. Of course, that wouldn't make any money, really. Unless you know. Um, They could sell her to make up for that lost income. Um, But. There's not much of she wouldn't have much of a chance, would she because that puts her in a situation in a bad bad situation now that's the negative side, but then there's the possibility that she could have because she was worthless to them they just uh i don't I don't know if they would have sold her and she could have been sold to somebody in the church, and then she became part of the church. Or, I mean, there's the positive side to it there. But there's also the side that even if she does become a part of the church movement, she comes to Christ and, and becomes part of the church. Part of the church. Uh, why didn't Luke write any more about her? He didn't get her name. She's without identity in here. So, this, this can show the dangers of of sharing the good news without regard to the actual lives of those who are evangelizing. <laughs> this has happened so much in the church. Is they go out, that, that, the, We'll go out and evangelize, tell people about Christ and, tell, and all this. And once they get saved, that's it. They're saved. Great. We move on. And this can illustrate that danger. They didn't even get the girl's name. Yes, she's a slave girl. So, with this important note now, let's move on, move forward in the story and talk about what unfolds next. Now, what accusation do the girl's owners bring against Paul and Silas?
1: Well, they were angry because they missed. You know, they they interfered with their you know money, making money. So mm-hmm. you know, they were accused of of all of the above you know, against Jewish law. Thrown in prison and beaten.
0: Right. So so the accusation they bring are that they said it this way, these Jews are disturbing our city and advocating customs that are not lawful for us, being Romans, to adopt or observe. Remember what I said earlier about the truth that that girl was speaking. It it showed that they worshipped somebody beside the king. They worshipped a god that the girl said was the true God, but they worshiped a god other than those that Romans were supposed to worship <laughs> so so they were accusing them of of disturbing of just of disturbance uh, of disturbing the peace, basically, and that's what well, they were brought before the magistrate for. People got involved and they were flogged, given to the jailer. There's, there's, our, there's our other character I wanted to talk about was the jailer and we'll talk about him in just a minute. So where did he put them in the prison? Right. It's the innermost cell. It's like it's like a prison we're built with. In 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 sections, circle you know, the squares going out, you know. You have this center cell right in the middle and then cells around it, cells around it, and cells around it. Back in the innermost part of the prison. As far back as you can go, and he's still fastened their feet with, in the stocks he didn't want them going anywhere <laughs> because the magistrates the magistrates said said to keep them securely so he was doing that alright let's move on to uh, verse 25 we're going to read through through verse 34 about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake so violent that the foundation of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the, prisoners, the prison doors wide open, he drew out his sword and was about to kill himself since he supposed the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we're all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And They answered, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and all who were in his house, at the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. That's the jailer. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. What response? What is the response of the jailer? When he saw that the prison prison doors were open, you know, why why would he have that response?
1: Because well, they knew they would believe him. you know stories so outlandish. You know, they wouldn't believe him. They would assume that he right. let them all out and they would kill him. You know, mm-hmm. so they would they would punish him for their escape. You know. Right.
0: They would. Right. Right. Your people yeah. in power
1: have a tendency to do that anyway. You know, I remember, it reminded me of a movie, same kind of scenario. It was a movie called Cowboys vs. Aliens, but it was just a movie. The guy, there's a guy standing on a riverbank, and uh, there's an explosion, knocks him in the water, and when he comes up, all the cows and the people were his cowboy buddies were dead, and when uh, Harrison Ford gets there, he assumes that guy has something to do with all that, mm. so he chains him up whips him. so it was no different, you know, uh, than what would what have happened there, and right. happen. they would assume he would, you know, have done the same thing, Right. or he had something to do with the escape. That's his job, if he failed
2: that job. If yeah, he
1: right. and then mm-hmm. yeah, he punished. The so, you know, life of a
2: soldier is very strict. If you fail to follow your orders to the letter, the
0: penalty could be death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, so so, what this response that he did, that he, he was going to kill himself, what does it say about how the jader was valued by the authorities?
1: That's <laughs> very high. He's replaceable. Now, he's basically a slave himself, you know? <laughs> even though he might get a small side of it, being a jail guard. You know,
0: I mean, he's basically a suspect. You know, he's considered right, right. You know, he's he's not much different than that slave girl was, was he? No, he's no different. Um, yeah. His the slave girl's life was was measured by the profit she was able to bring her owners. The jailer recognized that the the authorities would deem his life worthless. The prisoners are set free, because it was his job to jail people to keep them in the jail and that's that's the only the only value they had of him was as a jailer. Um, I think it's interesting because it's not it's rather actually common for people's lives to be valued based on the profit that they can benefit that they can. Uh, bring or the benefit they can bring to us like I value you because you can fix my computer or I value somebody because of what they can do not because of who they are but the, the, the gospel value is very different than this Because you don't have to do, well, you cannot and you do not have to do anything to earn God's grace. It's freely given to all because we're all made, uh, we are all made in God's image. When that message is shared and received, freedom from the world's metric for valuing is then sabotaged that's another thing about Paul's message it it would sabotage this whole this whole way of doing things valuing the slave girl for her ability to speak supposedly unknown truths or valuing the jailer just because he could keep people in jail but Before, the jailer had rested his hope in the authorities of Philippi and Rome, which measured his worth on how well he could could imprison others. But now we have a change. We have the value of the gospel coming into his life. And he is invited to rest his hope in God, who claims the jailer now as a beloved child of his. And here's the good word unconditionally he is now a child of god not because of value he brings to it because we don't bring value to this and i've said this before in 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 church in preaching or i forgot when i said it but we don't bring anything to the table jesus brings everything you see, we're not valued based on what we can do. We're valued based on whose we are. What does Paul say to the jailer? We're
2: all, here.
0: we're all here. Before he said that, right before that.
2: You do not harm yourself.
0: Before we're all here. Are all here. Right. Can you imagine? Uh, I'll, I'll we'll go over that again. We'll go over that in just a minute. But why should Paul even care about the jailer? <clears throat>
2: He's trembling souls for Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of what he was taught with Jesus, because that's what Jesus did, right. did the people that nobody cared about, who were put off or neglected, who reached out And who walked with Jesus all mm-hmm. that time, so that would have been the example that was set for him.
0: Right. He did have that example. Um, I'm trying hard not to go back to that slave girl, but then you say, well why why didn't the slave girl seemed to be more more value than that than, than what she seems to have been. But we're not going to go into that. That's that's. Uh, well, we can talk more about that in a minute.
2: In the case of the jailer, the jailer didn't have someone have to there with him or giving orders or there to snatch right. him up, snatch him away. The slave girl had owners. Right so after that would have happened, they just snatch her out of the way and pushed her up to the side. Chance to talk to her, but the jailer was right there by himself. He's the one in charge.
0: So let's go back to the, with the jailer. How did the jailer respond when he realized the prisoner hadn't escaped?
2: Ran straight to Alice. Right. And fell trembling.
0: And then he said. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So in verse 31, what what do Paul and Silas say to answer that question? Believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved, you and your household. Right. So, believe in the Lord Jesus, you and your household. The jailers and his household are saved and baptized. What do Paul and Silas do? Uh, what, what, do Paul, what does he do for Paul and Silas after that?
1: He cares them. He feeds them. You, I'm sorry. He feeds and cares
0: for them. Right. Cleaned up
2: their wounds
0: you know that 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 goes towards the that that fits with the common theme in acts and that theme is that people when they accept the gospel they become a people of radical hospitality they want to do they want to in this case he wanted to dress the wounds he wanted to feed Paul and Silas that was his immediate reaction to it what do you think that it is about the message of Jesus Christ that causes people to become so hospitable
1: the love
0: that you have the love The relief. You know, look at the jetter here. <clears throat> Imagine the relief when they answer him and tell him how to be saved and that he can be saved. And now he is saved. There's the love. There's the relief. There's the... There's the... I think that says it all. I really can't add to that. There's the love mostly. The love that comes into your life. Now, we see this we see in this story we see the slave girl. Now she's really not mentioned. And We can learn a lesson from that that we need to really care about the people that we are that we are preaching the gospel to, that we are speaking to the gospel to. There's the jailer and his situation where his identity is as jailer, and if he fails at that, he's destroyed. They will destroy him. They will very likely execute him for letting the prisoners out. That's, that was what they did. A jailer that let prisoners out is no good, is no good to wrong. So they will kill them. Now what of the family of the jailer? His wife, children. They're also Not mentioned. But I think they're just as important because they are people that have come to Christ as well. Now we go into this last part here. Let me tell it. That's on the back, on the correct side up the back. Let's think about these questions let's think about the first one here what would someone with a spirit of divination or that spirit of the python what would they say about you if they were following you around now these these can be hypothetical if somebody just wants to share that no, there's no problem with that but what do you think someone would say what a person like that would say about you Tell you, I wonder if they even take the time to say anything about about me. I mean,
1: anything they want. It. it happens all the time. Them folks accusing folks of something. Like
0: mm-hmm. Well, if they have the spirit,
1: wonder where that comes from sometimes, either yeah. they accuse somebody of something, and they haven't done like anything to them. Or, right. You know, well, because they're mad at them for some reason. Or,
0: right. Well, but in this case, that spirit, that spirit of divination. Tells the truth. That's one that tells the truth. Like it was, they were, she was telling the truth, um, and that—that that was the whole point of that spirit. Was that that spirit would tell the truth, and it was a situation where um, she would be able to look at somebody and 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 say and say a truth about them that nobody would know was supposed to know a secret truth she was able to do that and so think about your life and think about how how you were living your life and then think about what she would say around you what is, what is the truth that would come out that's one you can that's what I mean. You can take home and, and pray, pray over this and think about it. How can we ensure that our evangelism is holistic and isn't just concerned with someone being converted to our religion, but also desires their lives to be better? How can we ensure? holistic of course you know what meaning holistic means the entire person not just not just them being converted but the entire person think about how we can do that and, I, and and you know to me hospitality comes into that the ministry of hospitality which is what is the automatic reaction of people in acts when they get when it comes to Christ. Another way of being saying it could be concerned about converting people to Christ. That would be another
2: way of saying what they said. Right. Well, it converts. Yeah, I think also just making sure that we don't get caught in the trap of thinking that, oh, we have to convert people that's not what we're called to do we're not called to convert we're called to share the gospel and make disciples Mm -hmm. make disciples not go out and convert them to Christianity but also actually like before don't just approach with the idea of oh I'm going to bring them to Christ but approaching with the idea of just showing them the love of Christ instead Starting
0: with that started with well um i think I think what the difference here is uh, there's there's the concentration of converting somebody to religion but there's also but there's also the desire to that we are told to make disciples. Making disciples means that we are. I, I've always interpreted making disciples as the holistic evangelism. <laughs> you, you, you get to where you know the person. You don't just say, "Okay, you accepted Christ, great." Now, you, now, you know, go live your life. You come to somebody, you disciple them before they accept Christ. That's working with 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 the Holy Spirit and the prevenient grace the, the grace that goes before that, that leads a person to accept Christ and then you take then, then with that person you teach them what you have learned through your study of the word you teach them how to live the life you don't say go live your life you teach them how to live the life for Christ what to do it's not just a matter of conversion boom it's done. no, it's conversion. Let's walk this together um, in matthew we we read uh that we are to um, go into the world to go into all the world making disciples. We're supposed to go to the world making disciples. Well, that can also be translated as you go through the world. As you walk with others, make disciples as you 're living life with them, make disciples and that isn 't done by just uh, just one you know one time going to them and talking to them about Christ. that is done with life it, it's it's actually it's more involved it's harder. It requires complete obedience to the Lord to be able to do this. And that also includes us living the life in front of them as well. Because if we're not doing what we're saying, it's not going to do any good. Um, Something that helps me is, I think, this phrase, but also desire for their lives to be better to think of it in terms of um, them learning how they out of gratitude for
2: what Christ done how they can give glory to Christ instead of being
1: a you going to be a more moral person mm-hmm. but you think of it in terms
0: of your relationship to Christ that you want to give if you give glory to him it does bring other people to him right Yeah, well, um, the, when a person is, comes to Christ, and we said earlier that the, the, the first thing they want to do is, is practice hospitality. And so that's, that is, by doing that, bringing glory to God. And that attracts people when they see this we are bringing glory to God through our everyday lives, through our feeding the hungry, visiting the prison, clothing the naked, doing the things that he calls us to do, that glorifies him. Didn't he say, what you do to the least of these, you've done unto me, right? When he was talking about the goats and the, the, goats and the sheep, and that, that comes out. Uh, and like last week, when we talked about Paul, we, we were looking at Paul and how Jesus said why are you persecuting me <laughs> you see what we do as and, and the, the term used here is holistic evangelism that means we take we, we do it's not just it's not just for conversion of the soul it's for conversion is for discipleship of the person and here's the, here's the really cool thing is we disciple somebody they become a disciple then they make disciples you see that's more and more as we teach them how to do it they learn how to, to make disciples and we we learn from it too But that's the thing, is we need to make sure that we value people not for what they can do for us, but we value them because they are made in the image of God. Because God loves them, we also love them unconditionally. All right, anything else? Well, all right. Well, for next week, prepare for the next story by reading Acts seventeen, <coughs> sixteen through thirty-one, um, and remember make remember to make notes of what you hear, see, smell, feel, or taste as you read. That's becoming a part of the story. So, um, prepare for that. All right. Well, let's. Before we go, let's have a word of prayer, and uh, we can go forth. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening and for the lesson that you have shown us, for the truth that you have spoken to us through your word. We pray that we would take this from here, this holistic evangelism, this discipleship, and reach out. To those around us, or continue to. If we're already doing it, we pray for that you would continue to, to to lay that uh, care and that burden on our hearts to to lead others, lead others towards you, lead others to you. But to do so in the way that you guide them, to do so in a way that they understand that their value. That they understand that they're valued because of. Because they are made in your image. Just be with us, Lord. Lay someone on our hearts so that we so that we too can win them for you. Can can bring them alongside of us and teach them of you, we pray. In Christ's name, Amen.